Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're going to conclude our study this morning. We've been talking about portraits of salvation. And we are going to focus our study this morning in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. We'll begin there. We'll spend some time this morning also in 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you would like to mark that. Over the past few weeks, we've covered subjects like once lost, now found. Brother Everett talked to us about the, the importance of being found and that God has come to seek and to say that which was lost. Brother Rayleigh followed him with covered by the blood and talked to us about the shedding of blood and that that is the only thing that remits and covers sin and delivers us from sin. And then Brother Williams followed him talking about you must be born again. God's methods, Brother Allen's already said it, remain unchanged. They are forever settled it's still mandated, and can I tell you something this morning? They still work. The blood still works. This morning, we'll begin Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The Bible says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And with that, we'll talk about welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Innate in every human being lies the desire to belong. I'll say that again. In every human being is the desire to belong. It, it really doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter where they came from, how distant they may seem or be. The desire is inherent, or should I say the need. It's a basic need, a basic need to interact or to converse or to associate with a unit or a family, an organization, a group, or a community. Now, we really saw this just a few years ago. This is not my message this morning, but it bears mentioning. We saw this need reveal itself. We all of a sudden became isolated and distant and detached from our normal everyday communications and we saw that take a very 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 concerning and serious course serious ramifications came from that because physical emotional spiritual and mental health rely very very heavily on the bond that human beings cultivate when they are together it's not certainly in the context, but it bears mentioning God said himself in the beginning that it is not good that man is alone. And so if we take that, that, that 
very brief synopsis, if you will, that very brief overview of being together, that exponentially is increased in, in the life of a child. It's exponentially greater. There are an estimated 140 to 150 million orphans in the world today. And some even estimate, report that 6%, as much as 6% of the American population are orphans. The textbook definition of the word orphan, Brother Allen, so already I think he read some of my notes this morning, uh, is a child deprived by death or one of one or usually both parents or one deprived from some protection or advantage, such as maybe a refugee, an orphan, if you will, of a war. But thankfully, that is not where it ends. That's not all. There's an alternative that can at least bring some semblance of balance or maybe calm to an otherwise chaotic situation, and that is the method of adoption. The, the dictionary says that adoption is the social, emotional, and legal process in which children who will not be raised by their birth parents become full and permanent legal members of another family while maintaining genetic and, and psychological connections to their birth family. And so with that, let's look at one such adoption in Scripture. His name was Mephibosheth. Born into an earthly kingdom that would have afforded him the opportunity to live under certain privilege quickly became a desolate affair. In a prophetic and a very chaotic circumstance, Mephibosheth lost both his grandfather and his father. Saul and his father Jonathan in the same battle. Born into royalty with its distinct advantages were suddenly taken away due to disobedience and greed. All of which, hear me now, was to no fault of Mephibosheth. At just five years old, he's just a child. He didn't know anything. He didn't know what was going on. But at five years old, he was left with no immediate, seemingly, family to care for him. A short-lived life under the protection of a king, now vulnerable. No longer entitled to the affluent dynasty that once afforded uh, his, his existence. And by all accounts, now Mephibosheth is alone. He's an orphan with no one to care for him. Now, to further complicate the situation, to further complicate the issue at hand, something very tragic happened to Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel 4 and 4 explains that he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled and it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. Now undoubtedly his nurse or what maybe we would refer to as a nanny or a babysitter attempted to flee the, 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 the chaotic situation of, of the moment where the, the kingdom was being detached and ripped apart. She, she fled with him in her arms, stumbled and perhaps fell herself, and as a result, he fell 
And quite possibly, she fell on him, permanently crippling his legs and his feet. A very, very bad situation to begin with is now made worse. A very tragic circumstance in losing his family, losing his protection, his privilege, and losing his provision now is made even more complicated by a debilitating injury that would forever mark him for the rest of his life. Now, I'm going to risk getting ahead of myself, but I feel like just pausing here for a moment and bringing this to where we are. This is a very vivid picture of what sin can do in a life and in a situation and in a circumstance, let's just say, in all of humanity. It's, it's, a, it's a very vivid portrait of what sin can do, what, what the fall of humanity has created from that moment forward was the result of disobedience and greed. And subsequent human beings are born into a sinful nature that cannot experience the protection and the provision that was a once forwarded and afforded to the, the humanity that, that, that God created. It was the first Adam in, in the garden. And, and, and he, he created a circumstance that we are all living in today. But if you just add to that now, to an already tragic circumstance, we, we have a proclivity. To sin because of the sin nature that we are born into and born with, we now have the proclivity to sin ourselves, thus causing us to further complicate the situation with our own crippling circumstances. We are born, hear me now, into this world orphans. And because of sin, we have complicated and compounded the situation and we have created a very heavy, heavy situation that is on our hands. But I am so thankful this morning that it does not just end right there. I'm beyond faint, thankful that it does not have to end there because just like physical orphans, we were once spiritual orphans and we were in need of a family. We were needing a mother and a father to nurture us and to love us and to care for us and concern and have concern for us. This is why David so aptly said in Psalm 68 and 4, sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name Jah, and rejoice before him, a father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Verse 6, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dry dwell in a dry land. And so can I tell you that this morning, what God is desiring to do is to make a family. What God has desired from the beginning was to institute a family. That family was torn apart. It was taken away. It was separated. But God's design 
brings forth a family dynamic, a loving father, God himself, who saves, who redeems, who restores and defends, and a consoling mother. Somebody say that's the church where we find refuge and where we find strength and where we find the community and the belonging in the body of Christ that we need in a body of believers, brothers and sisters in arms. Can somebody rejoice for that this morning? That we are not alone, but God has set us into a family. So Mephibosheth's nurse, she cradled him in his disabled state, his disabled body, and took him to Lodabar. Destined to live out his existence, destined to live in his, his separated, his obscure, desolated, and excluded life, crippled by an impairment that he did not choose for himself. But that is not, <laughs> that is not where the story ends. Years passed and Mephibosheth merely existed in Lodabar. He, he merely just was. And now David is the appointed king. Now it's very important to note here that in all right, in all, in all really indecency, if you will, in that culture, in that time, David had all right to slay every single descendant of Saul and Jonathan. It was their custom. He would, they would, they would, they would take over, they would slay any existence of any descendant to completely eradicate any potential for any uprising. Or upheaval in the kingdom. To just wipe it all out. And so if we were to study scripture. We would see that Saul's sons. David did. Slay some of them. He did. You see there was something more to the story. <laughs> you see there was a conversation that was had between David and Jonathan. And David made a covenant with Jonathan. He made a covenant with him in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We see that David learns of the existence of a remnant. David learns of the existence of a grandson and a son by the name of Mephibosheth. He sends a messenger from the palace to see him. Now it is plausible to imagine that with the knock upon that door of Mephibosheth and the decree that was issued that questions and concerns must have flooded his mind. Had, had no, have no doubt in my mind that what he was thinking was probably the worst. You know, he was still in the lineage of a, of a king. He was still in the lineage of a sinful king who, who disobeyed God's word and the kingdom was wrenched from his hands. And so it is plausible to think that Mephibosheth could have thought, this, this is where it ends, this this is the end of the road for me. This is it. I am the remaining descendant and he will cleanse the, the land with my demise. But yet we see something completely opposite. 2 Samuel 9 chapter 5 
Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell upon his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father or grandfather, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. In humility, in absolute reverence, Mephibosheth enters the palace and bows before the king in reverence, expecting a heavy hand, expecting the hammer to fall and for it to be over with in a moment. He is met with love and compassion as David calls him Mephibosheth. He didn't say Saul's grandson or Jonathan's son. He didn't say you son of disobedience or sin. You son of demise. He called him by his name Mephibosheth and he answered and said he bowed himself and said what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Hear me this morning. David didn't reach back into his past. David didn't try to reach back into his into his yesterday, into what caused the, the kingdom to fall and, to, and, and for him to be crippled in his body. He didn't even look to that. He didn't even mention that. And then, and then Mephibosheth comes to him and says, What am I? How can I be in your presence? I'm just but a dead dog. How can you even look upon me? But hear me this morning. David didn't even blame an eye. In fact, he didn't even speak to what Mephibosheth said. He answered with action in verse 9. He said then, the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, again, Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread way at my table in a moment in the blink of an eye what what looked like a very desolate circumstance what looked like the end what looked like it was all over in a moment but in a moment David restored every benefit that was once afforded to Mephibosheth in a moment what was lost in the death of his father and in the death of of his grandfather what he lost in a moment of time what he lost in a situation of time his affluence his privilege his provision and his in his protection all in one moment was restored back to him full full and overflowing 
Oh yeah, in a moment what he lost was gained in a moment of humility as he entered the court of the king and said, who am I but a dead dog to you? And he said, Mephibosheth, there's a covenant in place that I made with your father and I will restore all to you. Think about that for a moment. In a moment of time, everything he lost, years have gone by. Years have gone by in Lodabar. He's just been on the outskirts. He's just been in the obscure. But in a moment of time, it's restored to him full force. He entered the king's presence knowing full well that he had no intended privilege. Yet in one remarkable act of compassion, David adopted Mephibosheth into his family. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. That's what happened to you and me. In a moment of time, Brother Allen's already said it. Right over here on a piece of blue carpet, God adopted him into the family. And in a moment of time, restored unto him everything that was lost. And so I'll take that one step further. We live in a world that is full of people who are destitute and who are lonely. And we have no idea the stories and the circumstances that surround us on a daily basis. They may walk down the road with a smile on their face. They may post pictures on Instagram and Facebook as if everything is okay. But if you could just peel back the curtain, if you could just look into the inner sanctum of where they are, you would see that there's a hole, there's a void, there's turmoil. There's this and there's that. And they don't know where to look. Left, right, up or down. God has afforded us the opportunity to be grafted into a family of believers so that we can seek those who need the same compassion. This is a... This is a dirty word nowadays, but there are people out there who deserve to feel what you feel in this house right now. I know that we don't like to use that word. We don't deserve anything. I know in the deepest, darkest, the recesses of what that word means, we don't deserve anything. But you you got it. Somebody offered you an opportunity to come in. Somebody offered you a, a, an opportunity to come in and feel the presence of God and the love of God. And so you don't think there's people out there right now who are searching, who are sitting on the side of a bed right now wondering what the next moment is going to be. They deserve to feel what we have felt. They deserve the restoration that we have experienced because everyone deserves a seat at the table. And hear me this morning, everyone can have a seat at the table. Now, they've lost my clock back there. <laughs> just, just, I have a clock. I have a clock. You can make it sure. we got to make sure. Can we edit that out? <laughs> I don't have the prescription to be able to see that one. Praise God. Just as. Mephibosheth was adopted by David in the Old Testament. There's a New Testament method of adoption. This, this method goes beyond physical adoption and focuses on spiritual adoption. This, this scripture, this word of God is replete 
with the illusions and concepts that support spiritual adoption. Moreover, the Apostle Paul's epistles address this spiritual adoption and shows us comprehensively just how much God loves all humanity. If anyone should know about spiritual adoption, it's the Apostle Paul. All humanity. Every single one of them, no matter how wealthy or how healthy they were born, all are born into a deficit spiritually. And that's putting it mildly. David put it bluntly. Psalm 51 and 5, he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 5 and 12, he said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Both David and Paul recognized the sin nature. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Although Eve committed the initial act, Adam withheld his authority and acted in kind, resulting in legal ramifications for the descending humanity that would follow his descendants all the way to now. We were all born with a crippling sin nature in our lives. And if that sin nature is allowed to work and to complete its work, the result is ultimate, immediate, no turning back, death. In addition, we are spiritually, when we are born into sin, we are spiritually hid away for a life to be lived in obscurity and separation. Are we connecting the dots here this morning. We're looking all the way back to the garden, the separation. God covered them, but they could no longer be there. They could no longer experience the protection and the provision that it provided. Completely separated. No more cool of the day experience. No more every tree of the garden that they could eat from. No more mist that would, that would do up the ground. And, 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 and no more protection of the parameters of the garden. They are completely and utterly separated. But thanks be to God that what Paul said and what he began to say that death reigned and death had been passed upon all men is not where the Spirit prompted him to end Romans 5 and 14 nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come but not as the offense so also is the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift by grace not of grace the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many the free gift is unlike the offense the sin nature is hereditary it's put on you you don't have a choice you're born into it through the flesh and Adam brought death unto all humanity but Jesus brings the free gift which is the offer of salvation which he has offered to all 
It is not automatic. Contrary to popular Christianity umbrella, this is not automatic. He came, shed his blood for the sins of the world to offer us salvation. Not to just take care of it so that we can live however we want to live. David sent a messenger to Lodabar. David sent someone to call upon Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, even though he was crippled, could have went in the other direction. For fear of whatever it may be. But David sent a messenger. And he was there. And in like manner, and much greater, God has sent messengers to all humanity. Prophets to declare a coming king. Ultimately, robing himself in the flesh of a body, in the body of Jesus Christ, to declare a coming kingdom and the ability to be a part of it. My friends, ladies and gentlemen, that is the gospel. That is the gospel. A coming king, a very near kingdom, and the adoption into that kingdom by his death, his burial, and his resurrection Galatians 4 and 4 but when the fullness somebody say I'm so thankful for the fullness of time when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons it was his plan and it was his plan from the beginning you hear me today, man's sin and man's transgression, man's fall, man's stumble, his disobedience, it has not thrown God for a loop. God is not reactionary. He does not wait to see what might happen to see what he's going to do about it. It wasn't an ideal situation, but he's never lost a step and he's never stumbled. Mankind was estranged, but God set his plan in place to make way for an adoption, Galatians 4 and 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. And so this connects us to where we are and where we began. Romans 8, chapter 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, he explains it. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hear me. The new birth is the legal adoption that God created to graft us in to the family of God. Water baptism in Jesus' name brings us in to the kingdom and the infilling of the Spirit or spirit baptism places the kingdom in us and Paul said 
said that when that occurs, the Spirit will make confirmation of it. And when that happens, you'll know that it happened because as that union comes together, we cry, Acts 2, as the Spirit gives the utterance, Abba, Father, our Spirit, joins with His Spirit, and His Spirit confirms the transaction. Oh yeah. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can receive the Holy Ghost without speaking with other tongues. When anyone receives the Spirit, they will. You can go anywhere on this planet you want to. It doesn't matter if they're 89 or 9. It doesn't matter if they've lived in church all their life or if they've lived in the streets all their life. When someone receives the, battle, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they will speak with new tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. As the Spirit bears witness of what is taking place. And and Paul goes on from there because we know that's not the end of the story. Paul goes on to say something more transpires. That's not the tongue talking experience, it's just the sign. Of, I'm not discounting that. I'm not discounting that. But that's not the totality of it. That's just letting you know that it's occurred. Paul said in Romans 8 and 17, and we become children when that occurs. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so we are now children of God. And with that, children of God a father child relationship comes certain rights and certain privileges everything changes when we are filled with his spirit everything changes when we are born again his spirit transformed his spirit has reshaped has our minds remolded and made into what he wants it to be that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are become new and so with His Spirit infilling us, creating us a new heart, a new mind, we become a new creature, a new child, in a new family, in a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you anyway. We can now enjoy the life that He lived. Oh, come on somebody. And we can have the same destination to look forward to. We had the same privilege that he had. We no longer have to live a life of sin as a slave to sin. We can now live above sin instead of under sin. We can now walk in the liberty of the Spirit rather than be subject to the bondage of sin. The enemy no longer has any power over you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we can 
can rest assured that just as he was risen from the grave given a glorified body and ascended into heaven we too can look forward to the day in anticipation when we will join him in glory oh yes oh yes those are the intended privileges of a child of God we can walk and we can talk and we can live according to his word not that I have to Because those, this is not my notes, but those that are without, they can't live. See, the, the, the world and, and, and even modern Christianity is looking at this through the wrong lens and through the wrong angle. They say, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I don't get to do this and I don't get to do that. Well, guess what? I've been baptized in His name. I've been filled with His Spirit. I'm not arrogant about that, but I don't get to die a, a sinful death. I don't get to let drugs take over my life. I don't get to ruin my family and separate them from, 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 from all over creation. I don't get to live in, in this constant fear of bondage and sin, but I get to live according to this Word and where this Word is and where His Spirit is. The Bible says there is liberty. So I don't have to do this. I get to live like this. I have now become no longer a descendant of the first Adam, born after the same manner and his nature. I am now, even though I'm standing on earth, a citizen of heaven. And I've been transformed by the renewing power of Jesus Christ. And so now that I am a child of the king, I have certain intended privileges as a child of the king. I can now enter into his presence as a child of the king. I didn't ask him before, but I'm going to use this as an illustration. When I go to my dad's house, I make a sandwich like it's my house. And he don't complain. He don't say that's my last piece of ham. <laughs> he don't. He don't. He don't make a fuss about it. They are welcoming. This is mine, but it's yours, <laughs> within reason, on earth. But God says, when you come into my house, what's mine is yours. You need deliverance, I'm the deliverer. You need, you need peace, I'm the peacemaker. If you need, you need the turmoil to be quelled in your heart and in your mind, I'm the one that can do it. And I'm willing to do it for you because it, it is an intended privilege of a child of God to have his father let him climb up in his lap and wrap his arms around him and tell him, I'm praying for you. I'm looking out for you. I've got my hand on your life and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. We can approach His throne with boldness. His graceful throne with boldness. Now I'm not talking about arrogance or unthankfulness, but I'm talking about being confident that the Lord of heaven and earth has invited me into His family and made a way for me to be into His kingdom because He loves us. There is little doubt in my mind 
that that spirit, that palace life from Mephibosheth at first must have been somewhat awkward. It's understandable. He's lived in Lodabar. He's crippled from his waist down. He's had someone carry him around when he can get them to. He's had to fend for himself. Now he's in the palace. David said, you'll eat bread at my table always. Zaba and his servants are going to go out and get it for you. They're going to bring it to you. It's now that he's got a family. He's been invited and adopted into David's family as David's one or one of his own sons. He's now got new clothes. He's got a new place to sleep. He's got servants that are looking out for him in ways that he was not accustomed to, but just as sure as it may have been something to adjust to. Can I tell you something? He adjusted. Oh, yeah. He got used to it. Let me tell you something this morning. We can say what we want to, but in our flesh we know. But if we suddenly find ourselves in a situation like that, in the lap of luxury with people who are willing to serve us, who are willing to wait on us to give us what we needed and what we wanted, it wouldn't take us long to adjust to that kind of lifestyle. We'd say, hey, I kind of like this a little bit. It's the same thing when we were born into the kingdom of God. It may be a little awkward at first, but just hang around. Just keep coming around. Just keep feeling His love and His mercy. And you'll get adjusted to it. It wouldn't take us long if we showed up at the airport and they said, hey, we had a a place for you in the back of the plane next to the bathroom. But just so happens, we got a first class seat for you. You'd be sitting in there drinking that little whatever they got, that little, uh, it's not alcoholic, but it's uh, some kind of orange drink. You'd be sitting there watching all those other coach passengers walk by as if they, I meant for this to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that was fixing to happen. I would I would just sit there like I just belong there. And so can I tell you something this morning, doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, this is a family and you belong here so act like you belong here come into this house lift up your hands lift up your voice and praise God with all you have because you belong here I'm closing I'm closing right now so with all that we can stand together I got about 16 more pages but we'll be all right I have privilege as a child of God You have privilege as a child of God, but with that comes responsibility. And so that now I have a privilege as a child of God, and I can walk into his house, I'm going to act like a child of God. Hear me now, I'm going to dress like a child of God. I'm going to talk like a child of God. I'm going to act like a child of God. I'm going to live like God has blessed me with his spirit and with his word. I'm not going to violate it because it's his word, and he's allowed me to see it. He's opened my eyes. He's given me a revelation of who he is he allowed me to be baptized in his name and filled with his spirit and so I'm going to live like it now I'm going to lift my voice I'm going to lift my heart I'm going to take my life and I'm going to give it to him because we're blood bought we are children of the most high God and we are privileged to be in this kingdom and so I say this morning every promise in the book is ours and so why don't we act like it every promise in this book is mine so why don't we grab a hold to it everything that he said to do I'm just going to do it not because I have to because I get to because I get to be a child of the king why don't we lift our hands and why don't we lift our voice to heaven and praise him for he is 
so good. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We magnify your name, oh God. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name. One more time, would you clap your hands to the Lord? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.